Hey, legends, you know, none of our interviews or episodes ever date, ever. They are all timeless and ready for you for when you're ready to listen. Download the lot and rip in. Welcome back to Andy Raymond Unfiltered, the Michael Crocker story. Previously, we chatted about evolution of the player and of the man. We've detailed the achievements, the disappointments and the emotion. The story continues. Did Craig Bellamy change you as a bloke more so than Absolutely. as a footballer? Yeah. And no, like I learned a lot of my parents, obviously, like I said, with my manners and um, discipline and work ethic, all that stuff was from my parents. Um, but yeah, Craig taught me in that short space of time how to be a man and a good man and, and a role model to, to the other young kids around. So at that time, I wasn't a senior player, but we we had a pretty young group and I was put in that leadership group, mm. or picked in that leadership group that first year. So we had Cam coming through, Cooper, Bill, but then we had Matt Geyer, um and Dave Kidwell and Scott Hill. So they were, they were our three senior players. And apart from those three, the next one was probably Matt King, who was 20 year older than me I think 26 pretty special group of young men wasn't it yeah so everyone was 26 and under from that point so uh, I was 25 turning 26 and that was still young in terms of yeah my, well I, as, a, as a man I was really immature I was a really immature 25 year old um, I'm so an immature 40 something year old exactly I'll tell my partner Kerry that and she'll say you're still immature um, and I am at times but I think that's the little kid in me but yeah so I think that um point in my life was a really important um lesson for me to learn that all these other young kids around me were watching what i was doing yep. so if i was going out and doing the wrong things all the time these kids would be going well he's doing it that's then fine. it became acceptable correct and that's what you learn from everyone in melbourne that that's why their culture is so strong because the senior players lead by their actions and they're also able to have those courageous conversations with everyone else around them to make sure that the kids if they they mess up once that's fine Young kids are going to mess up. They're going to make bad decisions, but you shouldn't be making that decision twice. I've known you for 20 years. I've known you since before your debut. I've always seen you as a leader, a leader on and off the field. Is that a natural characteristic for you or is it something that's uh, that you're uncomfortable with or you're not, uh, that you've had to work on or does it come naturally? It's a, it's a funny one. So like I said, I was the shyest kid. I was really um, around other people. I was just really withdrawn and until I was comfortable. And I, I think it's still in, in, in certain situations, I'm, until I know a group, I am a little bit, you know, sit a back a little bit and just, just sort of read the room. But, yeah, I'm, I'm more confident now. I can actually, you know, thrust myself into a situation yep. and then um, go from there. But yeah, it's, still, it's still daunting for me to go into groups and different things like that. But it's uh, – and it's one thing I've, I've learned this from a, a – business coach of mine, Luke Mathers, who he's got this term called the glue guy. And the glue guy is a guy that every organization, every team, and you need to have a few of those around. And they're the guys that bring everyone together. Right. So my whole career, I think, was made out of effort, energy, and fun. You're the glue guy. And that's the glue guy. The glue yeah. guy has that positive mindset and he brings other people up around you. So and I'm not telling people to be better. I'm just my actions and energy that will lift other people. If they're having a bad day, I try and, you know, whether it's a joke or a cuddle yep. or whatever it is, uh, you try and get the best out of everyone around you. It's not about doing it by yourself. It's about doing it as a team. And that I 
I've, I've loved that, having that mindset and learning those sorts of things and looking back and going, well, that is, that's pretty cool. And it's really true that um, those sorts of people do have an influence on other people. And mm. I think that's something that I've always wanted now that I know it is about trying to make other people's lives better by being in, in it. Your time in Melbourne, you had three seasons there, very successful three seasons. But it included the 2007 grand final in a storm jersey. As we sit here in 2021, do you consider that a premiership to your name? Absolutely. I know a lot of people disagree. Um, you know, I'm not saying what, what happened was right, but as players we didn't know. You, you never know what other people are on. And I think management and, and different uh, people who were involved in rugby league obviously make the bad decisions, but... They're making those decisions knowing that it's wrong and it's been happening for... That's the hard part because you guys end up the public face. As a player, you end up the public face of a shit fight, but the bloke who is sitting in front of the calculator that has masterminded this often gets off without his name or picture in the paper. Yeah, it's a, it's a frustrating one. and I've spoken to a lot of former players and you know, I think... You know, salary cap breaches, as as you might like to call them, have been happening since the nineties, probably earlier, probably even longer. Probably going. Actually, I've heard some stories about the clubs, certain clubs in the seventies. So I dare say that it's been going on for a long time. Mick, I dare say that you could, if we're going to be honest, it's still happening. <laughs> I'll, I'll put it out there, Raymond, that I don't think that many teams, other than the Panthers and the Tigers, in the last twenty years have won the comp and not been under the cap. <laughs> I agree. It's, whether it's it 100,000 or a couple of whatever, it, it, I'm sure it's happening. Yep. And I'm not going to begrudge someone for earning a bit of extra cash um, because those people that are earning it more than likely don't know that it's coming from a source that it That's shouldn't right. be. That's right. Mick, at the end of your tenure at the Melbourne Storm, you looked into Hull FC – you couldn't get a visa to head didn't to the UK. Didn't want to take the convicts back, apparently. <laughs> they, they didn't want to take the convicts back. How dare they? You looked at retirement as a genuine option, and you ended up at South Sydney. So, uh, mate, it's a, I, had a, I had a beer with Craig Bellamy not long ago, and we spoke about, we've spoken about this a number of times, and uh, I'm not one for regrets, but I would love to have gone back in that time. So 2008, start of 2008, first game. Just off the back of two grand finals in a row, yep. first game, preseason felt unreal, really good. I had um, shoulder surgery. There's that froggy's back. Yeah, Hope that's the one you brought back to life. There is. Uh, He's probably having a baby. Rain coming on the Sunshine Coast, <laughs> and the frogs on the front veranda are starting to voice their opinion. So yeah, so um, preseason felt really good. So, 2008 preseason game one was against Brisbane. As a Queensland kid. And knowing that Brisbane were always a really successful team, every time you played Brisbane, you were up. Yep. Got into that shed before the game, home game for us. Felt nothing. Felt absolutely no emotion for the game. And I'm a, I'm a guy that gets in there, I'm absolutely rats for the first hour. Um, once that half hour bell um, ticks, so we're about to go into warm up, game's on. Like I'm switched okay. on. I can, I can flick that switch. So that's when I get excited. And I just sat there and went, Doing the warm up, just going through the motions, was like like talking, still talking, and and but I didn't I didn't feel anything, 
I got out there that whole year. I actually played, had a reasonable year, felt really good all the right, way through. Yeah, but yeah. that second game, we played Manly, who we'd just played in the grand final yep. before. The rivalry was obviously starting. Felt nothing. So didn't think too much of it at the start, and then kept going sort of midway through the year. Um, I know at one point, I know we were, uh, Clint Newton was looking to leave as well. Uh, sorry, no, Clint Newton had already left and was like, okay, well, if there's sacrifices we need to make for um, salary cap to keep some other players, yep. I'm, I'm thinking about leaving. And Craig's like, really? I was like, and then explained it to him. And um, looking back on it now, because I trained as hard as I could every day, every session, like I would come in after some captain's runs and if I didn't feel right physically, I'd do a, a 1K time trial on the rower just to see where I was at actually on the thing. Wow. Um, but I was, I, was, I'd, I, was, I was going too hard. I, even 2009 State of Origin, I remember being there. I was fresh. I, I'd missed that start of the season. Did the captain's run and I was absolutely buzzing. This is the first game in Melbourne, buzzing captain's run. And I, I reckon I've done an extra 6K of like running, chasing after balls and kicking footies at the end of the game, end of the <laughs> session. That's how excited I was. Well, I burnt most of that energy. I played okay, but I'd burnt I'd burn all of that energy. That, so that's why. But I didn't have that thought process or someone pulling me back and saying, mate, you need to, you need to ease up a little bit. Um, and I just – I had nothing else other than football as well. So I didn't, I didn't have any hobbies. You know, I, okay. I was surfing a little bit at the Roosters, but once I moved to Melbourne, didn't really have surf. So I had my dogs and that was it. Um, I, so I didn't have that balance. I was just like footy, footy, footy. And that burnt that mentally and emotionally burnt me out. So, if there's one thing that I could change in my career was it would be having something else outside of football, especially in that early part of my career, um, and having that ability to get away from football, not push myself as hard, like know when to to pull back and um, not push through pain and um, physical barriers, and just try and understand myself a little bit better, and then just yeah have that life balance and appreciation for life away from football if you're enjoying andy raymond unfiltered the legend series we'd love for you to go to apple spotify or wherever you're listening and subscribe to the podcast and give us a five-star rating and review best weekly review wins an unfiltered trucker's hat as you matured and because you had so much success at the roosters and storm your time at south sydney for some would be easy to gloss over simply because you didn't win a premiership. But it wasn't about premierships at that time at South Sydney. It was about building a club, a culture, an environment. And as we sit here now, that building has been successful. Mate, I'm actually, I look back on it now, I'm really proud of that time. I, as you should be. Played there. I ended up playing there six years, which was, I think, the same as the Roosters. So. Uh, we got there. I got there, and so middle of two thousand nine. Yep. You know, Roy Satasi had signed. Um, Reese Wessel was there. Um, Wingy was there. I thought John Sutton. All these other young kids were coming through. So there was a, a decent squad starting to build. I got there in the middle of the year, and usually when a new player comes to the club, there's a little bit of excitement, you know. And I, yeah. I think they were off the back of three or four losses, and came downstairs. Like I said, red ferns all underground. Got down there, and it's all like miserable. <laughs> and I was like, "What's wrong?" And they're like, "Oh, I was, I was 
tough week and the coaches aren't happy and you know so it was like a really miserable sort of environment and wow. there was no there was no fun and enjoyment sort yep. of stuff there so um you know that's again that's what i love i love training i love being out the there having all that sort of fun and, back to it. and then the next year you know sammy burgess comes and he's exactly the same just loves it and you know we're trying to drive some standards within the club and um what we're doing at the training field and performances on the field it wasn't quite happening and then uh, michael mcguire comes in we missed the finals those three years, like nine, ten, and eleven, by one game. Yep. Um, a few of those years, we just had to win one of the last three, and we couldn't, couldn't quite win get one. it done. So that was really frustrating. Um, and then Sammy Burgess arrives, and then Madge comes, and you know the start. Matt King comes. We're starting to Greg Inglis. You know, we're starting mm. to build a really good roster, and um, Mike McGuire was again exactly what the club needed at the time we needed someone to just drive everything from start to finish and that's what he does and he did it really well and we pushed ourselves through pre-seasons that first year 2012 we um lost the prelim and i I think if adam reynolds doesn't do his hammy in that game against the dogs we go on to play in that grand final and you know give ourselves a chance of winning it uh, which would have been against the roosters Oh, uh, th- you're testing no, sorry, 12, 12 was the dogs, so that would have been Storm. 13, um, we got beaten by Manly, and if we won, that would have been against the Roosters. Yep, that would have been a, that would have been the <laughs> would have been a cracking grand final of that. Um, yeah, so we missed those two two games. Um, but in that time, and myself and Matt King retired that time. Uh, Lottie had come into the club as yep. well. Um, then Bentio came, and you know, so this squad that came into the, the next year were full of local juniors: Adam Reynolds, Jason Clark, Nathan Pease, Josh Mansour, all these young kids that had been around each other for a long time as well. Yep. Um, so watching them develop and being able to train with them and uh, learn from them uh, and help trying to develop mm. them was really rewarding to see that the way they progressed and then you know that year in, in 2014 that was a, a pretty special one for the club and for the community i think for for rugby league to have you know, south come back from where they were in early 2000s to to winning the comp and um as russell would put it being the the pride of the game again and a glory, proud glory, time for glory, you guys glory. who had who had built that culture and built that club retirement at the end of 2013 Officially, anyway, because it was before the end of the season. Had the body just given out, mate? mate it's a funny knee? one. So, two thousand twelve, I played every game. It's the first time I played every game. I think my whole whole career, and so that year felt unreal. Preseason, I felt good, and then uh, we we were on an army camp, and I'd had a few groin issues and stuff, and then um, got into. We were doing a, a wrestling tackling contact session then we had one of the trainers from the army come and we did a whole heap of burpees at the end of it ended up i had a little twinge in my knee i was like that's not great and then just didn't get better um and was like this isn't right so i got a little clean out and then it just for the rest of the year didn't didn't come good everything i tried i tried resting tried working it harder tried doing everything else nothing was working so i was just basically a like there for I would still do a bit of the training and stuff, but couldn't really run too much mm. um, because it would pull up too sore. And then it was about four weeks to go before the finals, and I did a couple of sessions through the week, and then I pulled up okay. And one captain's run, I said to Madge, I said, "Mate, I reckon I could play tomorrow." He's like, "Really?" I was like, 
Yeah, I said, oh, well, I feel good today, but if it, you know, we'll see how it pulls up. And he goes, mate, if it pulls up sweet, we'll give you a run. We'll go out to the North and for the uh, North Sydney Bears. It was our feeder team. I said, mate, have a run and see how we go. But it just, it, he was shocked, you know, like, and I was shocked that I was I actually feeling was, good. So, yeah. but I remember it, Matty King had, um, I hope he doesn't mind me saying this. He'd just he'd been dropped, I think, a week before that. He was playing for the Bears as well. And yeah. he was kicking stones around a little bit, the big fella. And I was like, mate, how good is this? We get to play together. We'll come back. We'll go out there. We'll kill it. We'll give ourselves a nice little run. We'll play the next three games and we'll play in a grand final. This yep. is this is going to be our last season. We're going to absolutely demolish it. I actually didn't have that mindset. It was going to be my last. But I was like, you know, I, talk it up. I just wanted Kingy to get excited. <laughs> I remember we got out there. We were playing at Windsor. Um, I don't know if Kingy's car broke down or something, but it took him two and a half hours or something to get out there. <laughs> he, he came in and – Awful mood. We're in like a little demountable shed. I was excited. I was sat on the bench, and Kingy was playing fullback. He's dropped the first three kicks that came oh, to him. No. We were down eighteen nil after about fifteen minutes. Um, anyway, I came on, played the rest of that half. Felt all right. Felt reasonably good. Lungs were good. Um, leg was good. Got a little cut on my right knee, which was my good one. Um, uh, just before halftime, chasing down when they scored another try. <laughs> I must have hit a little rock or a bit of glass or yeah. something. Anyway, taped it up, played the rest of the game, finished it, was like, oh, that's all right, and then went to take my boots off and a heap of blood squirted out about a metre in front of me. Oh. <laughs> I was like, oh, I need to get a doctor. I might need to get this stitched up. Anyway, so we didn't have a doctor there. So we've called, I've gone in and asked for the, the Penrith doctor and he sort of – I said, oh, I'll just have a quick tub. And he went – sort of rolled his eyes inside and I went, oh, you got something, you got something planned tonight, doc? He's like, yeah, I've got something to go to. I was like, well, I'm just going to have a shower. I'll just give it a quick rinse out or whatever. Anyway, so stitched up, thought nothing of it. Came the next day, uh, was a little bit red, so got some antibiotics. Day after that was even worse. Um, kept taking the antibiotics. Went and saw the doc, got some intravenous ones. The next day after that was even worse, could barely walk. Uh, was really, really swollen, starting to get red and hot, like hot from quad down to calf. And you're thinking, oh. And then I was like, my, my um, uh, partner at the time, I was like, you need to go to the hospital. This is how people died in the army. Like, you're going to die. I'm like, no, I'm not. I've just had two rounds of intravenous antibiotics. Yeah. I'll give it another half hour. Anyway, by, I think, 11 o'clock that night, I couldn't walk 10 metres. I could wow. barely, barely shuffle my leg. And I was like, it's probably time I yeah. went. And I, just, I was still, in my mind, I was like, just ride it out overnight. But, yeah, it was, it was really painful. So I went to the um, hospital. They got me and I had cellulitis. Uh, which was starting to spread and go into my glands and stuff like that. So I had surgery, cleaned it all out, cut it out. Um, I was in hospital for three days. Came back. Once I got out of hospital, the scar tissue and knee – the scar tissue had stuck my um, skin to my kneecap, so I couldn't bend my knee. So, oh. so I, I had the physio and everyone on my – I was like face down on the, the beds and they were like trying to pull my knee back like a lever, like the old school – poker machines oh. i was like just keep going do we need to loosen this up anyway so in that time i uh well i was trying to get that right working again left knee flared up again and i was just like you know what this is a sign it's a tiniest little like one centimeter cut that was it that's really? what that's what after everything i went through my all the dumb things i've done the off the field and all the you know the way i uh, pushed my body in games and training that one little cut was the one that was the straw that broke the camel's back and i eventually just said you know what that's that's me. I've had a good run. I, I'm, I certainly can't complain. So, yeah, it was no fanfare, um, but it was just one of those things. It was, it was time, and um, I was happy with that. I obviously want to play forever, but mm. I, I was really um, 
still proud of what I had achieved and and uh, where I was at. So yeah. Was, what are you most proud of as a footballer? I think just having mates and other people say that I was good to play with. Yeah, that's that is that's all I, that's all I ever wanted. So, mate, I um accolades, awards, rep teams doesn't really mean like it's for for me wearing that having having been a part of that Queensland system, that's the most special thing. But yeah, for me it was always about my teammates, how I was perceived by them. I couldn't give a rat's about what the opposition thought of me. I always want to be known as a good person by other people. If I met them, I was always respectful. Respect's really big for me, so I always like to give people time and 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 respect. Um, but yeah, for me it was my teammates knowing that um, I would do whatever I could to play for them and, and do my best for them. Biggest regret? Uh, like I said, I don't, I don't have many regrets, but if uh, if I could change a few things, obviously that uh, time in Melbourne I would change, but I would also love to tell the younger me about nutrition and stretching and yeah, yeah. recovery and looking after your body and eating well and um, having that balance. So obviously, but that's, mate, to be fair, who knows? We, we might not have played as well as we did as that team That's at the right. Roosters if we didn't live the lives we lived. So, yeah, I think for me, my my football journey replicates my life. Like Roosters, young and wild, and that's how we played and, and trained, and that's how I lived. Uh, I went to Melbourne, start developing as a man, growing, and then at the essentially at the Rabbitohs, I was apart from maybe two in the first couple of years for the last four years at the. Rabbitohs, I think I was the oldest player. So mm. um, it's almost like I felt like a, a dad figure to all these young kids. So, yeah, and that's – I was starting to become more of a man and living a better life. Uh, and I think yeah, it's flowed on. So hopefully I'm starting to become a better dad and a better man and I will continue to grow as a person. It's obviously having struggles. It's uh, retirement's not easy and mm. figuring out what you want to do in life is difficult. And you know, I've been blessed to have – um, some really good opportunities since I retired, but or since I transitioned, but it's been really, it's still difficult. Like it's still a pretty hard thing to um, to understand. I think you, unless you've been there and walked through it, like you look at all my other mates now, and they all started their trades when they were out of school and well established in their businesses. Now yeah. they're at the top of the game, and no matter what I go into, even if I went into coaching, whatever I went into, whatever, kid. even if it was in anywhere in football. I'm still. I'm a rookie. I'm an apprentice. I'm going to have to learn and work my way up. So um, that's that's daunting in itself. But it's uh, again, you know, once I put my mind around the fact that it's a challenge, not an obstacle, I, I'm I'm happy that I can I can push myself through that. Do you still hold records at the judiciary? I've never actually been. Never been to the judiciary once. In terms of weeks set out, <laughs> always took the early guilty plea. Yeah. <laughs> I think no, I think I think I have. I don't think I've got the most weeks spent out. I think I've got the most individual charges, yes. which means all of my charges, a majority of my charges, are careless grade ones, which are irrelevant. Really, it's a lazy arm yeah. that clips someone around the face. It's nothing intentional or reckless, which I should be proud of, shouldn't I? Of course. You should. <laughs> You played an uncomplicated game in an uncomplicated manner. You played it the way you needed to, to be the best version of yourself. Pleasure following the journey. Mick Crocker, you, sir, are a legend. We hope you enjoyed the Michael Crocker story. He's different to what you thought. Throughout January, we're giving away five Andy Raymond unfiltered truckers hats every week. 
To win, simply leave a rating and review on your Apple Podcast app. Screenshot it, then email it to us at mailbox at andyraymondunfiltered.com.au. First five every week win. Make sure you come back soon, legends.